You are now listening to the Conversationalist Podcast. Well, hello, and thank you for listening to another episode of the Conversationalist Podcast. I'm Jesse, and I'm here with Amanda. Hi. This is going to be episode 70, which is going to cover our uh, movie review of Pacific Rim Uprising. Um, we actually saw this movie yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so we'll just get right into it. Um, now, when initially they had said that they were going to do a Pacific Rim 2, like, I'm like, okay, totally down, because Pacific Rim 1 was fucking badass. And then when it turned out that there was going to be casting changes, you know, particularly to the main character, I'm like, uh, I don't know if that's going to be any good now. Right, I was like, eh, I don't know if I want to see it anymore, but um, I guess I was a little surprised that the main character was actually much better than I thought he'd be. Uh, it's been a long time since the first one came out for me. Like I, there was enough time I could disconnect the two pretty easily. It wasn't a big selling factor either way. You know, I, I don't know. I just, I kind of, I kind of liked the cast and how everything was done in one. And I was just concerned that trying to, you know, go to, go to Pacific Rim too, that they were going to, I don't know, do too much to move away from the first one, that it wasn't going to be as good. Like when they brought back, brought back Independence Day and then they're like, Hey, Will Smith's dead, but here's the sun. Bam. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was kind of worried about because like, Pacific Rim, you know, the the first one with the Charlie Hudnam. Now, with the first one, it wasn't a box office success stateside. Like, it didn't do very well stateside. But overseas, overseas it killed. Like, it made a shit ton of money overseas. And, um, I mean, I think it's just, you know, the sci-fi mech kind of, you know, Gundam shit that, uh, you know, it's, it appeals to markets like China, Japan, and everything. So it just did really well over there, which I think is like the whole reason we're even talking about Pacific Rim 2 right now. Um, And so, I mean, I think this time around, it's probably actually going to do better stateside, I think, because now it's got some name recognition as opposed to before. It was kind of just like out of nowhere. And in my opinion... It's a little transformery in looks, so I think they're going to grab people that way. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, yeah. And, and what's funny is, like, you know, we're getting a little off topic, but we'll get right back to the movie review, is that Transformers, from what I've been reading, is that they're, there's talk about the possibility of them just rebooting it. Rebooting it with a new director and making uh transformers uh a little more serious i mean not dark but just less of the bullshit that you hate about you know transformers like we're i don't know like you you get these stereotypical characters where you're like okay they're trying to make that character seem you know and it sounds racist but like oh that that car's black because they're doing all these like super urban things and like changing the voice and stuff and you're like that's fucking 
So they're going to fix the cars or they're going to fix everybody? Well, I mean, mean, it wasn't like they, like, you know, threw out a fucking bullet point of everything they're going to change. It's just they're going to reboot it and do it different and move away from the Michael Bay bullshit. Because it's kind of like troubled or greasy looking guy, hot girl, and then the cars. Well, right. Like, everything was a stereotype. Like, the entire thing. So that was that. And so, you know, maybe that'll. But I really think they should leave that franchise alone. Like, it's over and it's done. But that's not what we're talking about. Yeah. Right now. That's something else. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it would be nice if they rescued that franchise because it had so much potential. Almost like Fantastic Four. Like, Fantastic Four is like such a good franchise and it's just like such garbage. They're never going to fix that one. Yeah, we'll see. So, um, anyways, you know, uh, so I I got past, you know, whether or not I was going to see it or not. I think ultimately, even. Uh, you know, if I if I like the first movie, even if I'm not excited about some of the stuff that's coming up for the next movie, whether that's casting changes or, you know, like whatever they're doing with the storyline, I still have to see it. Like, even though I'm kind of like, oh, this is going to be weak. I got to see it just to make sure because I don't want to like not see it and then be like, oh, man, damn it. I would have saw that in theaters. Huh? Right. Yeah. So uh, Amanda never had that problem. <laughs> she was just kind of like, no, let's go see it. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. She's like, whatevs. So, um, Pacific Rim Uprising, it just came out this weekend. Um, the synopsis on IMDb is uh, Jake Pentecost, son of Stacker Pentecost, reunites with Mako Mori to lead a new generation of Jaeger pilots, including rival Lambert and 15-year-old hacker Amara against the new kaiju threat. So, um, basically, the main character is the son of... Stacker Pentecost, who um, was like like the badass trainer in the first movie played by Idris Elba. Um, and, you know, in the first movie, like, at this point you should have seen it. So, you know, spoiler alert, I guess. Like, if you um, are going to go back and watch the first one and the second one, this is what happens. Essentially, he risks his life to, like, save the world. So it's kind of a big big shadow to like live under you know is like you know your dad being this fucking you know world hero yeah um but you know and so you're immediately thinking like oh god so okay here's a stereotypical like oh you know i'm a rebel kid and you know and then i find my way you know to kind of you know follow in dad's footsteps like that's immediately what you think when you read that but we'll get into that a little more later um and then he reunites with mako mori who mako mori is basically like the adoptive daughter uh to idris elba's character and um essentially raises her after um saving her like during a um a mech battle i guess uh during the jaeger battle so then he he basically raises her and so the way it ties this in is that um everything that's happening in the first movie uh he had like been in the jaeger pilot program and was, like, in process of, you know, doing essentially everything that Dad had done. And he signed up feeling obligated to um, basically be involved because it's what his dad had done, even though it's not necessarily what he wanted to do. And he basically messed up uh, doing all of the training and the schooling, and he ends up getting kicked out because... He wasn't taking it seriously, and the person he gets kicked out of the program by is his dad. So that's the explanation for why you never 
see him in the first movie is because like he was off doing training. He screws up and then he gets kicked out and then kind of like fades into the background. So that's why there's no mention of him. But then in this one, um, the way it ties him in is that, so all that's happened, but he was always really close. You know, they had a little close family. You know, he has this photo of him and his dad um, with Mako, um, his, his sister. So, you know, even though it's his adoptive sister, they, they're so close that he considers her to be his sister. So that's how that all plays in. Now, um, the, the rival that they're referring to, um, Lambert is Scott Eastwood. Yes. The name sounds familiar because he's related to Clint Eastwood, which I didn't even know when I watched the movie, I had no idea. He's done other movies. <clears throat> I mean, I'm sure I've seen him. It's just like it's one of those things where like you always know the fucking like titles to songs and shit, and I don't. Like I can like a song and like not remember it, but you do. Like I, I just can't remember like certain. Well, his whole big thing was he was acting, and then all of a sudden it was like he kind of did like a big movie, and then everyone was like, okay, because his whole thing was he didn't come out as Clint Eastwood's son for like a really long time. They tried to hide it because. He wanted to make it on his own instead of using his dad's name recognition? Well, that, and I think he was a product of an affair. <coughs> well, because, I mean, that's or basically what so... Angelina Jolie did, right? I mean, she did the same thing, changed her name to try to make it on her own, sort of. So, like, I think his mom had asked him not to try and go off of his dad. Like, it was kind of like a family thing. It was like drama. But, I mean, he's proved that he can do it, you know, without his dad's name, I think. Like I think he, he like, he, like he's a chip off the old block? I mean, looking at them, you don't see the relation, I don't think. I mean, even if you're looking at I mean, he's still a handsome dude. I mean, back in the day, like, fucking Clint Eastwood was, uh, like, a hunky badass, so to speak. Right. I mean, you can get that vibe, but, I mean, if you were looking at young Clint Eastwood and then put Scott next to him, like... Right, he's not a mini-me. Yeah, to me, I don't see it. So, I think he's done enough on his own that, I mean, having the last name is fine, but not necessary, I mean, to his success. So his character is Nate Lambert, and in, and in the movie, um, Nate was basically in in his academy, uh, was uh, in Jake Pentecost's academy, and they had issues, and it seemed like uh, part of it was like a love triangle thing. Um, I'm trying to think, who was the girl he had a love triangle with? Was it Reyes? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that, that was played by Adria Arjona. Um so there's kind of like a love triangle thing going on there, and like you, you kind of hear hints of it constantly, and like um, Jake Pentecost's character or John Boyega's character is like constantly like saying stuff, like trying to get at her, and uh, you have um, Nate Lambert, the character, like, uh, hey, knock that shit off or whatever. Like when he comes back, so it, it seems like there's 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 issues there. It just like, it just seems like there's always a running competition between the two. Right, like they were super competitive, but you know there, there's there's hints or they make mention of like stuff that's happened that they kind of need to move forward and get over, you know, in order to keep being friends or whatever. But they never really it, it seemed like there was no no point where that was addressed as much as maybe it was just well, like yeah, there, it was when that girl was getting ready to get kicked out of the program. Oh, I fucking missed it. Like, what? Enlighten me. Yeah, John Boyega's character had gotten in a fight, 
uh, with Scott Eastwood's character. And the reason he got kicked out of the program was because he got into one of the old, whatever it is. Jaegers? Well, he called it something, though. Like a, a Mach 4? Is that what it yeah, was? Yeah, that's a Jaeger. Yeah, okay. Well, he got into it by himself and was like, I'm going to do this. Oh, try to do it without him. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I, yeah, I completely blanked. So yeah. So he gets into the he gets into the Jaeger to try to pilot it by himself. But for those that don't know or you're not familiar with Pacific Rim, is that most uh, like all of these Jaegers require two pilots because they're so big and you have to like sink your minds. Um, like it's called like a neural handshake when you start to pilot. And so you know he was neural handshaking when somebody he fucking was so competitive with and like had issues with. That he gets mad, jumps in this Jaeger, and tries to pilot it by himself. He only makes it like two steps and then like crashes the Jaeger because he couldn't do it. And then they're, you know, that's when they're like, all right, you're done, and boot him. So, yeah. Um, And and, and so that's that's kind of, so the movie, um, it it starts as though you're thinking like, okay, he's living off of dad's fame. Like the way it starts, like there's this whole party going on, like he's chilling, like everybody's fucking going crazy. But it's not what it seems. Uh, he's living in an evacuated part of a coastal city where it hadn't been rebuilt. And the house that he's living in is like a half-destroyed mansion that still has a functional pool and stuff. And so he's just living in this abandoned mansion that, hey, half a mansion's better than no mansion, right? And it's still a place to live. And that, you know, he's basically hustling, you know, throughout his... uh Throughout his life, uh, you know, taking like tech parts and all this stuff, you know, that's and food. Yeah, you know, basically he's he's recovering all of this stuff, uh, just because there's you know busted Jaegers and um, all these kaiju that have been destroyed in um, all of these cities and stuff, and you know, so certain shit has value, and so as like a scrapper. He's finding all these valuable things and then trading them for food and whatever. Because, you know, he's explaining that, like, hey, you know, depending on where you are, you know, certain shit has more value than other stuff. You know, so he's, like, trading a car for, like, a 12-pack of sriracha, you know. And he's trading, like, this other tech for, like, ramen noodles. (laughs) You know, he's just, he's finding all of this stuff. And uh, he's, uh, so at this point, he... uh, it's clear that, you know, there's no interest in this program. He's kind of moved on from, like, you know, all that whole life. But he tries to um, find this particular component that sometimes gets left in these Jaegers when they're getting scrapped. And it's apparently worth a shit ton of money. Um, but he's got a reputation for, like, screwing people over. And so the people that he's helping do a job are, you know, some sh- um, some shady characters that have heard about his reputation and inevitably he does end up screwing them over too but it sounds like it wasn't by it sounds it literally looked like it might have been on purpose like he got somebody there to steal it before they got there but then it turns out that somebody just legitimately got there before them and stole this unit and he ends up uh going after this person who took this unit because it has like a um i guess a signature that allows it to be tracked and so he follows this person back to a lab and or just like it's like a homemade lab, you know, and it turns out this person's been building a fucking Jaeger themselves, uh, scrapping for stuff. And um, that character is uh, played by Kaylee Spaney, who in the 
movie is Amara Namani. Now, her character builds a small Jaeger. It's really tiny by comparison. Like, it's like a little <laughs> ankle biter. Yeah. Uh, it's a really tiny Jaeger, but it's so tiny that she's able to pilot it by herself. Um, anyways, um, he basically leads these authorities that are trying to keep these people um, out of these old scrapyards to her base. And um, they try to flee in it, uh, but that doesn't work out because those authorities also brought a Jaeger pilot with a full-size Jaeger. And although they try to get away, they end up getting caught. So you fast forward that they're basically in a shit heap of trouble. And that's where his, uh, that's where uh, Jake Pentecost's sister steps in, uh, Mako, and uh, tells him, hey, look, you're either going to go to prison or you can rejoin the pilot program and be a teacher. So easy decision. He decides to be the teacher, even though that's not what he really wants to do. He goes back into the program reluctantly, mainly to save his own ass. So they also take um, they also take the uh, the Junker girl, Amara, because she's got talent. She knew, she was piloting a Jaeger, she was able to build one. So you know she's a somewhat talented engineer to to scrap one together. But the kids that are in this program, not all of them, just one in particular, kind of has a problem with her because she kind of fell into it. Where this other girl is like geared toward being a professional pilot like her whole life and this other person just kind of fell into it which actually um you know quick little sidebar is that that is that can be so true there was a period uh where amanda was wanting to get like particular job training that as you know normal people that have never been in trouble these fucking classes cost like four hundred dollars a class and so when she was going through to these classes at the local university um most of the people that were in those classes were people that had been in trouble and is an ultimatum to like, instead of like being in jail or, you know, whatever, they basically got put in a state run program where they got their classes paid for by the state and were getting the same training in classes as like that we were paying for, for her to get. And that, so I can understand the frustration of how this, like, other Jaeger pilot could feel about, like, what the fuck? Like, this, I've been trying to do this my whole life, and this fucking, you know, little shit, like, is stealing and <laughs> building fucking, you know, Jaeger, Jaeger machines that aren't supposed to be fucking built, and now she's in the program? Like, what the fuck? Right? Yeah, it's super irritating, especially <clears throat> when they would sit around at break time and talk about, like, what stores or what government agencies would give you what for free on what day. Yeah. And I'm like, seriously... But again, that's a topic for another time. I'm like, I'm just sat here and paid four hundred dollars for this class. Yeah, I'm not getting anything for free, and you're over here like, I got this, I got this. I'm like, oh, well, that's nice for you. And what did you do? Oh, you got arrested for drugs like ten times. I didn't. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, like I remember, like so in that part of the movie, I was like, oh wow, that seems like real life, you know. Um, you know, so uh, of course, you know, the movie like shows that. Um, you know, Jake Pentecost and Nate, Nate Lambert's character, like, they still have shit going on and, you know, the whole love triangle thing. Um, you know, I'm not going to go into, like, a play-by-play of the entire movie, but basically, um, the corporation, you remember the name of the, the Chinese corporation? Shao Industries. Yeah, so, uh, the whole thing is, is Shao Industries is trying to make, um, drone versions of Jaegers. 
And the idea is, is that if there are threats or there are issues that need to be dealt with, you know, they deploy Jaegers, but it takes time to actually deploy these Jaegers and then, like, fly them, you know, like, via helicopters to carry them to these locations and then drop them off in order for them to deploy into the field. And so that takes a lot of time. And, uh, you know, because they're all responding from, like, central locations where multiple Jaegers are stored. They're not, like, spread out. So the corporation's basically saying, hey, look, we can get these uh, Jaegers made and we can have them remotely piloted and we can have a bunch of these Jaegers like spread out all over the world so that the response times are quicker and then inevitably the world's going to be more safer. Because at this point, you know, the war hasn't, the war's been over for like 10 years. There have been um, no kaiju that have returned. Um, but, you know, still for, like, safety reasons, that's what they're going to do. So, um, uh, Charlie Day's character, uh, Dr. Newton Geisler, um, he's actually working for the Chinese company. And, uh, seemingly he got the job because of, you know, the fame that he got from the first movie where, you know, he helped save the world as well, um, with the help of, uh, Bern Gorman's character, Dr. Herman Gottlieb who still works for the government. That creepy-looking guy. Yeah, he looks kind of weird. Like Chad Molester weird. I don't know. I'd say British weird, but then that's like implying that British people look like Chad Molesters, which isn't what I said. I just got like creepy, get in my van, lock you up in my house weird out of that guy. Not any kind of nationality weird. No, I'm just... Let's say he's unique looking. He's interesting. <laughs> so, um, you know, so... The whole the whole um, movie is about like okay so um, what's going to happen to all these traditional Jaeger pilots that have partners that you know have to do the neural handshake to you know run these traditional Jaegers you know they're basically going to be a thing of the past if this company is allowed to take over what's essentially their job and then automate it so that a bunch of people working behind a desk can put on VR goggles and do their job. So there's an issue over old and new. And, you know, there's people that are like, you know, people are going to be piloting these Jaegers from offices. Uh, has anybody thought about the fact that these signals can be hacked or um, that a anything could go wrong without a physical person, you know, being in the Jaeger? So it, it just raises a lot of questions that you would traditionally find in like any sort of real life situation where you're going to like scrap something old to go to something new and different. Um, but I mean, obviously it's for money. I mean, they're going to be making a you know million uh, Jaegers and it, it's going to be their whole business uh, protecting the planet essentially, because they're relying on this company to provide it all. Um, but then there's a weird part in the movie where uh, Charlie Day's character, um, he gets home and you're thinking like he's talking to a woman and like they're about to get busy or something like that. And he like goes into his room and you find that uh, in the first movie when they um, had to do the neural handshake and they kind of got into the head of uh, one of the kaiju, like part of the kaiju's brain, that... He, that fucking kaiju brain was, like, still in, like, a preservation tube alive in his bedroom. And, like, he was putting on a helmet to 
neurally communicate with that partial piece of kaiju brain. And so I'm like, you're like, what the fuck? Like, is that just the kind of shit he's into? So then as it fast forwards, you find out that his mind has basically been corrupted by that kaiju brain. It's essentially like taking over his mind. And that even though like he has some consciousness of his old self, it's basically being dominated by the kaiju version. And so being that the kaiju has kind of taken over his mind, so to speak, and is, you know, doing its do you know doing what it, it wants to do is it's um being sneaky and injecting uh kaiju blood and parts and tech into the soon to be you know automated Jaegers. the drones and the, the the drones and so these all have power cores but they've all been tainted with uh, the kaiju blood and and parts. So nobody else knows this. Initially, you're thinking, oh, shit, like this company is totally in on it. The the character, um, I'm trying to think of her name. Uh, Her real name's Tiang Jing, and uh, she plays, she plays uh, Liu Wen Xiao. So like her character initially comes off as like this evil uh, character that, you know, is the evil head of a corporation, and that, you know, like, she's the one that wants to, like, bring the world down and conquer it. Because, like, once you start to figure all this stuff out that um, there's shady shit going on in this industry. And then you find out, like, what Charlie Day's character's doing. You're like, oh, fuck. Like, they're all in on it. You find out later that she had no fucking clue. And that he was basically sneaking around behind her back. And, you know, you also find out that, you know, his mind's been completely corrupted and is being uh, run by this kaiju. So when they go to deploy all of these units, um, because the government uh, decides that they're going to go with these remote units after an incident happens with a uh, a rogue Jaeger, that they need this protection. And uh, But when all these units get delivered is when everything goes sideways. As soon as they get delivered, they all malfunction. And what happens is their power cores explode, and the Jaeger... Uh, not the Jaeger, but the like the kaiju DNA parts or whatever, kind of like infuse with the um, Jaeger units and basically become like de facto kaiju, right? So now they have this like kaiju DNA built in, and that's when all of these kaiju start um, like shooting the beams into the bottom of the ocean floor to try to like open up the portal. And it's happening all over the world. Well, they're able to combat most of the remote um, corrupted uh, Jaegers, the remotely piloted Jaegers, and take them take out. But three, uh, what did they say? It was like one, two class fours and one class five, mm-hmm. like uh, Kaiju get through. And so they're all... Um, of course, they're all just outside of Japan. They're all like in the South China Sea and the Pacific and all that stuff like that. And they're all kind of headed for Japan. And they're trying to figure out like, what the fuck? Like, where are they going? Because they're headed all toward Japan. They they basically figure out that like in, in the last movie, they're all kind of headed for Japan as well. And they're like, you know, maybe we maybe they weren't just 
wandering around aimlessly. Like, maybe there was a point to, like, where they were trying to go, and we were just in their fucking way. So then when they start to triangulate all of the the paths for everybody that they fought, they find out that they're basically trying to go to Mount Fuji. Now, in the movie, there's an explanation that the kaiju blood reacts pretty violently, almost like like 100 times stronger than rocket fuel, when it mixes with rare elements. And Mount Fuji is full of rare earth elements. So then it becomes clear that basically they're just trying to get a kaiju to Mount Fuji so that because it's an active volcano, if a kaiju just basically jumps in the lava, all the blood mixes with all the rare earth elements and shit, it's going to create a... Uh, global event that's basically going to wipe out all life. And that it's going to be so big, in fact, that it might even like terraform the planet and make it suitable for the kaiju to basically take over the world. So that's what the whole movie's about. And, um, you know, the ending scenes are, you know, for the final battles and shit are pretty epic. Um, I won't like explain like how that ends, uh, you know, so I'll leave part of it, you know, for you to just go and see it, but it was really fucking cool. And I thought all the characters, um, were interesting enough for you to care. And, uh, I was really happy that John Boyega did a really good job of, I mean, just playing that character. And I, I really think that they tied in, they tied him in well with all of the other um, cast members. And, like, I was actually just really pleased with, like, how well they did Pacific 2, Pacific Rim 2, and tying it in with the original. Um, that was good. Now, at the end of the movie, what happens? Um, they let you know that there's a third one. Yeah. That's coming one like, of these days. Pretty damn clearly, right? Yeah. I mean... Because what does John Boyega say? Uh, we're coming for you. Well, he's basically like, the next time that we fight, it's not going to be them coming to us. We're not going to prepare for them to come to us. We're going to go to them. Because he's talking to Charlie Day. Yeah, because Charlie Day's characters, uh, he ends up getting caught. I mean, obviously, like, the world doesn't end. But, uh, you know, Charlie Day's character is essentially taken a over. kaiju. Yeah, and... So they have him prisoner, but he's telling him that, like, oh, we're not going to wait for you to come to us. We're going to go to you. And it's like, oh, fuck. So now you're talking, you're now for sure you're knowing there's going to be a Pacific Rim 3 and that they're going to purposefully open the fucking portal and invade their world, which, I mean, that's fucking dope. Because, I mean, at this point, you're talking Pacific Rim 1, Pacific Rim 2. Not the same movie, but, you know, same setting, same situation, sort of, to a certain extent. You know, right. little different circumstances, but more or less the same. So then when you talk about, like, doing a third one or, like, moving past that point, you're kind of like, okay, so they're going to save the world again? They're going to try to blow up Mount Fuji again? Like, are they just going to try to go to a different volcano this time, but it's going to be the same circumstances, you know? Yeah. But when you talk about, oh... We're going to fucking build this armada of uh, Jaegers and we're going to bring the fight to this other world that, like, we really haven't seen. The concept is badass because, you know, as far as they know, the kaijus are, 
you know, oh, this is a class four. Oh, this is a class five. And the class five is crazy and all this shit. But what if that's not the biggest kind of kaiju that there is? That's just the biggest biggest one that they've seen. Yeah. So the whole idea, I think, is pretty, pretty fucking cool and interesting. My only concern is, is that I hope that they've already started pre-production and getting the movie rolling. Because, I mean, the last Pacific Rim, I mean, shit, let's see when IMDb had this one out. I mean, the original Pacific Rim was 2013. We're in 2018. That was five years ago. I'd really hope that we're not going to see Pacific Rim 3 in 2023. It's a little far away. I don't think anyone would care. Right. I mean, if they could, you know, get that movie out in two years. I mean, it's, you know, it sucks, like. On one hand, I want them to come out with it more quickly, but I don't want them to, you know, make a shitty movie either. Right. But I just feel like there has to be, like, a happy medium where they can make the movie quickly enough and still do a good job. I don't feel like that's a tall order. Right. Uh, I mean, especially when you already plan on making the third one. I mean, that's what Marvel and Disney are doing, you know, with all of these... um, superhero movies like okay we're gonna make an infinity war movie oh well we already know that we're gonna make this continuation the infinity war so we fucking you know went through and recorded all of it so why can't they do something like that okay we're gonna do two we're gonna release this one this year but we're also gonna do three because we plan on you know making this epic ass movie so let's maybe aim for that one being out in like two and a half years it's reasonable Ideally. But, yeah, I, I don't, you know, obviously not being a fucking insider and not knowing the ins and outs and the background bullshit that goes into making movies, I could be talking completely out of my ass, and there's some, like, some industry person that would, like, hear my words and be like, who's this fucking guy? <laughs> like, he doesn't know what goes into these fucking movies. Like, it's as fast as we can get it out. And I'm like, hey, sorry, dude. I don't think I'm just a consumer years, that, Yeah, I'm just a consumer that really wants to see a movie that I think is fucking great. I think they've proven if there's a franchise, if there's a market for it, they can push it out faster than if they don't feel that there's quite the market for it. I mean... Basically, where there's a will, there's a way. Exactly. So... Well, throw enough money at it, or, you know, they think people are going to throw enough money at them. Throwing enough money at it's not always a a solve. Ask DC about that. If people throw enough money at them... Right. They will make that movie. Yeah. If people go to the movies and see this, they'll be like, all right. It doesn't have to be five years this time. We can do it faster. But if people still don't go see this one, eh. Yeah. Why? So, I mean, as far as, you know, your thoughts on the movie, I mean, how did you, you know, like it overall? Like, what was, like, one of your favorite scenes, if you have one? A favorite scene? Or just, like, the overall feel of the movie. So... The overall feel of the movie to me was I felt like I was watching a lot of different movies rolled into one, which wasn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it just, it felt... Was it a lot of good movies? It was, you know, it felt really familiar, like, I don't know, like a touch enders game. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when, what's her name? Is it Amara? Oh, with the, the, the barracks and the kids. and Yeah, with, you know, yeah. her whole experience not really being accepted. I felt very enderish there. Um, 
It felt a little Power Ranger-y to me. Oh, because of the, the, the suits and stuff? and the Well, the suits. And then at one point, I was like, why can't you just merge all your Jaegers into one big morphin, <laughs> like, big rawr? Because they yeah. needed it. Oh, yeah. Well, they needed it. Yeah. That didn't happen, though, sadly. But so there was that. And then, like I said before, it also felt a touch transformery again with the Jaegers. I just felt... You know, in the city scenes when they are walking around, it's like they might as well have been, you know, the cars in their transformed state, like <laughs> with the colors and just kind of the way some of them looked. Yeah. But it wasn't bad. I mean, it was just familiar. You know, by comparison, though, like Transformers, when you're you're seeing them like in cities, like they're not massive. They're not as huge. Whereas like Jaegers are like towering like two or three times over like a tallest building in a city. That's very true. But, but yeah. <clears throat> Um, and you know, like the stereotypical when the lady from Shout Industries comes up, you know, her whole white outfit and red lips and, you know, dark hair, you're like, oh yeah, and that's the Asian bad guy. And I hate saying that, but they always dress their, you know, their ladies like that when they're the bad guys. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, <sighs> and I was just like, wow. <laughs> yeah, I know you were, <laughs> but she wasn't the bad guy. So that yeah. was nice. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, no, it was good. I mean, there were some really funny parts, like, okay, in the elevator, before you really know that Charlie Day is going to turn out to be a bad guy, and he's in there with the Creeper Doctor, <laughs> and Creeper Doctor's beating They're up on those guys with the cane. Yeah. That was pretty good. You know, what, I, what was a pleasant surprise is that even though, um, I mean, the first one was just, like, a really good sci-fi action movie, um, and I felt like the tone of the first one was maybe a little more serious. Very serious. The... The second, the second one, not only did it maintain, like, the seriousness or the gravity of the situation that the world's possibly going to end, but they they managed to still, like, make certain parts of the movie funny, subtly. And I almost want to compare it to, like, a Marvel movie, <laughs> where, like, you know, the, the, the goal of a Marvel movie, a uh, superhero movie, obviously, is to be entertaining, Right. But, and, and it's not to be, it's not to take themselves too seriously, but they're also not a fucking comedy, but they managed to have funny parts in the movie that make it, you know, that add a lighter feel to it while still being incredibly entertaining and action packed. And I felt like Pacific Rim 2 did a really good job of mimicking what Marvel is so good at and making a, like a serious more serious tone movie with like you know a like a serious storyline um you know and have a mishmash of characters that still have a um like good uh like chemistry but you know and and then they're not it seems like they're not trying incredibly hard to like force comedy into it like it seems pretty natural and snappy when it's happening and you're just kind of laughing through certain scenes in the movie and it maintains not only that entertainment value of like oh this is a fucking cool action scene or this is this is really cool cgi but hey it's also really funny right so i think um john boyega and scott eastwood work really nicely together they really did they're they're a really good team and um i think it's a really good chance you know john boyega has done other movies since you know star wars obviously Mm -hmm. but i still think a lot of people see him as just finn and hopefully, well, that's kind of, you know, I'll be honest. I kind of thought the same thing. I was just like, uh, eh, he's just Finn, and like, you know, he did. I thought he did okay in in the Star Wars movies, but like, 
I wasn't blown away, you know, by yeah. his acting abilities in Star Wars. I thought he was good. But so then that's why I kind of had my reservations about like how he would do like kind of carrying a movie. Because, I mean, let's not fool ourselves. I mean, he's got a mixed cast of characters, but he's the fucking main guy. So right. I was just kind of like, oh, man, is he going to be able to carry this thing? But he did. And, I, you know, I'm glad that he was able to do that. I mean, exactly. for the sake of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I just think people will be able to see him a little more differently, not just Finn. And I'm sorry, but him going on about his looks the whole movie, that was hilarious. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, it was funny. He's like, it's hard being this good looking. Um, so, now, okay, knowing that there's going to be a part three, do, do we... And I actually just thought of this, but I don't know what the likelihood of is. It's probably a really small window. Charlie Hedden, I'm coming back. Interesting. Like, do you see him, like, coming back, like, to pilot, you know, one of the other Jaegers? I mean, because I haven't really seen him doing a heck of a lot. Um, I mean, it seemed like for, I mean, the whole reason he didn't come back to for this movie is because he he was doing a lot. I mean, I haven't seen him do anything lately. And then being that this movie's still got time to be in production, like, I almost wonder if there's a possibility where they might consider him coming back. Now, because I felt like John Boyega's character did so well, it kind of solidifying himself as being able to carry this movie, that I don't think that having Charlie Hedden back is necessarily going to, like, overshadow his character, because it's already clearly established. Um, You know, I, I think that that could be a good possibility in some way, shape or form. I'm not even saying he needs to come back as like a main, like a main, uh, character focal point per se, but like that he can definitely be in the movie, have some good scenes. And then, you know, like kind of be that, uh, that go to trainer guy that, uh, you know, everybody looks, looks up to and is like super excited, you know, that he's back kind of thing well i think (coughs) he didn't want to do the second movie just because it was out of he didn't want to it wasn't because he was busy Mm -hmm. so i don't know if he'd want to come back for the third if he didn't want to come back and do the second but i mean it depends on what his reasoning is like i almost want to like send a tweet and like just cross my fingers that like he would reply and be like so be a part three. There's gonna be a part three of Pacific Rim. You down? Question mark. You know, like would you consider it? Question mark. <laughs> and then him, you know, basically be cryptic or be like, nah, fam. You know, I'd I'd want to know. Well, there's an article in Collider that is saying that who is this guy? Who's this fucking guy? The director is saying that they are still thinking about asking him back for the third one. Because hmm. uh, originally they had thought about killing him off after he wasn't able to do the second one. Like, and why would you do that though? Like, I'm glad they didn't. 
You don't want to shut that door, because I feel like he could add a lot to the movie. Well, see, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't think he left it on good terms as much as they tried to spin it, because first they said it was scheduling, because he had, like, a movie, but then he also said himself that he kind of just didn't want to do it. So I'm thinking... I, honestly, I mean, if he didn't want to do it, I think it just had to do with the fact that the U.S. box office was fucking crap. And that even though it did well overseas, that, that that's not... That's not the audience he's going for. Like, he wants it to be good here, you know, not overseas. And so I can get why he'd be discouraged by, oh, well, why the fuck am I going to do a Pacific Rim 2 that's probably going to be another, you know, box office U.S. failure, but still do well overseas. And so, like, you know, people add a little asterisk next to my name that says, like, oh, well, you bombed here, but your movie still did okay. But, you know, so I could see why he wouldn't want to do it. But depending on what Pacific Rim does in these next couple of weeks in terms of you know box office return maybe maybe he'd be like oh okay okay so maybe we're gonna be able to you know make this uh um successful franchise you yeah. know u.s side so so they're saying they're leaving it open for the possibility of him to come back for the third and let's it's just text him like harass him on twitter it's Tell interesting because the writer of the article also kind of echoed your whole sentiment they're like well john really? boyega did a really good job of doing it so eh, if charlie hennem doesn't come back right and uh, i didn't even know that anybody else had kind of written an article on that and probably what it is because like we initially had planned on recording this yesterday to be more timely but it just kind of didn't work that way. We had all kinds of other stuff to do, but we did want to do it like still the same weekend of. I had no idea that that article had been written and that it basically echoed everything I said. Yeah, and so this was written like one day ago, so they must have just read it <clears throat> yesterday too. Yeah, so I'm glad that somebody else is on the same page with me at least. Yeah. Um, so um, with that, we'll talk about the IMDb rating. Now, the IMDb rating... Uh, is from 6,124 users. That puts it at a 6 out of 10. That's what a little low, think? I would think. Yeah, you know what's funny is, like, I feel like... I think the last one, I gave, like, a movie, like, a 7. And I think the one before that, I kind of was, like, a 7. Um, uh, I think this one kind of panders to the shit that I love in terms of, like, I used to grow up playing, you know, desktop... Uh, board games like Battletech and you know love games like Mech Warrior and like I do love anime Gundam's fucking badass like there's just all kinds of you know stuff that is similar to this so um it, I mean just the movie overall I thought was at least um a low 8 I'm thinking like an 8.4 an 8.5 just in terms of like like overall quality in the movie. What and I think what people don't consider when they rate these movies is that this eight point five doesn't mean that it's you know on par with some other like eight point five. You know, there might be like some other like a like a movie that's like a nine. Like it's nearly a perfect movie, like and I, I don't know what fucking Saving Private Ryan got, but I'm sure it's, like, super high. But, like, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're, like, shoulder to shoulder the same. What I mean is, like, in terms of a movie of this type, um, you know, sci-fi movie, futuristic, fucking, uh, you know, obviously not set in real life, but for a fantasy sci-fi movie like this, 
I think it's easily like eight eight point five. That it has done better than a lot of other movies in the similar realm. What do you think? What do you rate it? I, I see th- you thinking really fucking hard. I was thinking solid eight. Just an eight? Just flat eight. Eight with a big round zero next to it? Big yes. old egg? A yeah. solid eight. That's fair. It's better than a fucking six. I don't know how I got a six, honestly. I could see it, depending on who's writing. Definitely depends on who's fucking watching it. You're just who's like, giving the stars because, you know, there are different types of people. If, you know, if they are of the nerd persuasion, I could see them going one way. Like, oh, there's, you know... It probably doesn't hit all the nerd points for them. There's probably some inaccuracies that they just can't overlook. You know, I think for other people, this is just another action movie gone wrong. Kind of it falls into the whole Michael Bay area for them. You know, people got tired of Transformers. And I think some people might look at this and think it's just another one of those. And it isn't. Right. Yeah, this, you know, I think it just it depends on. I really think it depends on who's watching the movie. Yeah, and, and and overall, I mean, being that like we, I think, think so highly of the movie, um, I would definitely recommend seeing it. And I would say, even if you don't like this particular genre of movie, I would say give it a chance because it is entertaining and it is funny. And I think if you are if you go to the movies. To escape, enjoy yourself, be entertained, and laugh. This is a movie that you would want to see and be entertained. Now, if you go to a movie where you're critiquing everything that happens in it, and like, you know, and and like whether or not it's realistic or any of these other things, then you're doing yourself a disservice when you go to the movies in the first place because the whole thing is supposed to be to unwind. So, I mean, if you want to. See a movie that is enjoyable, I would definitely recommend seeing this movie. And I highly and eagerly await Pacific Rim 3. And really, this has got to be better than Sherlock Gnomes. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's who they're competing against. Although, I mean, it's a fucking movie like aimed at kids, so who knows how many parents are going to take their kids to see it. I know our kids are probably going to be like, oh, Dan, can we go see Sherlock yeah. Gnomes? And I'm going to be like, nope, your mom will. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to make grandma take him. So um, that's uh, that's pretty much it for our movie review. Definitely go see that movie. Um, we're, right now we're on the fence. It's the weekend of WonderCon. WonderCon uh, already started. We're on the fence about uh, whether or not we should try to attend um, WonderCon tomorrow, and so you that way we, we can at least at least uh, enjoy a portion of WonderCon and go Sunday. Um, so. More than likely, we are going to go, and that will probably be what our next show is going to be on um, if we don't see the movie first. So, thanks for listening. It's episode 70. I'm Jesse with Amanda. Woo! Saying thanks for listening and goodbye. Bye.